This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to 12 Joshua Matthews, 11 Mark Harris's, 10 Mark Brian Fanouf, 9 Jerome Berubis, 8 MyTrunks.com, 7 Darius Laos, 5 Logan Kings, wait, there's a number in there, 6 Ross Mendens, and also Russell Cat, Michael Feiwiger, Stephanie Estes, Richard Pulfer, Edwin Adelsberger. That's fun to say. Adelsberger, Richard Newton, Devin Pellet, Christina Craigshead, Raymond Caritas, Matthew Curses, Royce McWee the Third, Terry Keller, Nelly Perry, Janusz Stripek, Jeffrey Sire, Nathan Olson, Cody Dixon, and Tanjin Ming. Fine and faithful spoiler rights all, and this one goes out to them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, a long time ago in a galaxy right in the middle of one of the square states, it is a period of civil war. Spoilerite spaceships striking from hidden bases have won their first victory against the evil Internet Empire. Pursued by sinister agents, Princess Rodrigo races home aboard a starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save his people and restore freedom to the galaxy. As we cue our two Matthew and C. Stevio, it's time for the Major Spoilers podcast to hit the escape pods and eventually we'll break through atmosphere where we'll be on the air. Welcome to issue 550. Pew, pew. Holy crap, 550. Pew, 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 pew. Marked down from 695. Yeah. Hey, I got a question. Of the holidays. Do you okay. guys do you guys say that uh, Assassin Droid is uh, IG88 or IG88? I say IG for one very important reason. Because you're that guy? Well, partly the because I'm one of those guys. Okay. But also when you see the other droids, mm -hmm. the droids designates become personal names. Mm. He's not an R2 unit, he's R2. It's not C-3PO protocol droid. They call him 3PO. The, the number becomes their name. But R2 and 3PO don't necessarily have a, two letters together like that. To me, calling him IG-88 is just a continuation of that same nomenclature that we see with R2 and 3PO. Because mm, I've always called him IG-88. What, what do you say, Rodrigo? I usually call it IG-88. Maybe, maybe his nickname would be IG. Iggy, Iggy. Um, so what do, you call those, Iggy. what do you call the big snow walkers? Adats. Because I got uh, chastised a couple of weeks ago. Someone said, no, they're AT-ATs. Well, yes. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, a while ago on uh, one of the social media sites, Neil Gaiman was asked if he had to renumber the doctor since they added one. Mm -hmm. And Neil Gaiman said, if someone says to you, if you say to someone, Matt Smith is the 11th doctor, and that person says, no, 12th. Be kind to them, because they have a hard row to hoe and a difficult life ahead of them. If you want to say IG-88 and ATAT, -AT, don't care. Don't give a shit. But, ooh, hello, sorry. But <laughs> when it comes right down to it, in my mind, it's an ADAT. Whereas the, the little two-legged ones that they had on Endor, yeah, yeah, those yeah. to me are ATSTs. Mm. Why? Because it doesn't spell anything. <laughs> it, uh, you can't call them an at sit and i think they're saying that because one is an atst you should call the other an atat 
Mm, I see. But you know, I think that if you call it an ad at, first of all, in 1983, when we were 12, Stephen, there were ads on the 13. television that said you were 13, bloody blue. <laughs> there were ads on the television. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's said, why I said the ad ads. Yeah. Ad at new from Kenner. Yeah, yeah. Buy this and, you know, beg your mother to rush right out in a buying frenzy. And so I did. And I had an ad at and I didn't have any Star Wars figures. So I loaded it with my G.I. Joe figures. But they always beat Cobra when they had the ad at. And I think it's important to know. That it kind of doesn't matter as long as you are consistent unto yourself and don't necessarily feel the need to castigate people who say things differently. Hmm. I bet there's three different spellings and pronunciations somewhere in the in the expanded universe. Uh, this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. <laughs> Head over to Tweaked Audio and check out their great new headphones. They just sent uh, us some new pair. A couple of new pairs. Some I new guess pair? we're gonna we're gonna give them away soon. No, I don't oh. like Four styles, or more than four styles, a bunch of different styles, a bunch of different colors. I like them with the microphone built in so that when I'm listening to my podcast and someone calls me on my uh, iPhone, all I do is just hit answer and I can have a conversation with people. And then people walk by my office thinking I'm crazy talking to myself. Yeah. Best of all, best of all, when you use the checkout code major at tweakedaudio.com you get 30% off your price instead of a 1995 or a 3495 pair of headphones you're going to get them for 1295 or 2795 that's over nice. at tweakedaudio.com let us get to some news we've got uh, some rumors that Jason Momoa you know him the uh, Conan or that guy from uh, Th- uh, Cor- oh. uh, Throne of Crowns or whatever it is oh, Hodor yes he may be in the Man of Steel 2 movie uh, we've got a writer, director, and producer for the upcoming Netflix Daredevil series. Are they all the same guy? Arrow, they may be. Mm-hmm. Arrow matches an all-time series high with the introduction of Barry Allen. An amazing Spider-Man Step 2 trailer arrives, as does the Godzilla trailer. It is here. Let us spin that Wheel of Destiny, see where we're going to land. Rodrigo, what's that number? It's hard for me to read. I don't have my glasses on too nice. It landed on Gelt. It says you have to give me chocolate coins. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the dreidel of Hol- holiday gambling is not uh hey not allowed here at major be spoilers. careful what did it what did it land on there rodrigo <laughs> I, I think it landed on momoa on man of steel so this is a rumor that popped up within the last i don't know 24 48 hours depending on when you're listening to this hello future people and if this has already been uh disproven as bunk or if it's already been confirmed hey you get to hear us talk about it anyway so jason momoa the guy many of you know as uh what is his name drago from, Cal, uh, Cal Drogo. Cal Drogo from uh, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe you saw him in that Conan movie, which some other people the other day were just bashing it all to heck. I didn't think it was horrible, horrible. I mean, it was just horrible. But uh, rumor it's, it's is. okay as Conan flicks go. Yeah. Right. I, mean, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't any worse than uh, the second Short. Conan movie. Was it, oh. would you say, was it worse than Cull? Was it worse than like the Kevin Sorbo? Oh, Cull? no, it was much better than that. And the thing about it, you know, it's it's one of those things where it wasn't necessarily great Conan, but it was an okay, you know, big, dumb, chop-socky, sorty-sorty movie. Exactly. So, I guess this movie is still called Man of Steel 2. Subtitled <laughs> Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Subtitled, I don't know, Justice League. Uh, last week, we got a Wonder Woman. We'll talk a little bit more about her later in the show. Mm-hmm. Rumors that we're going to see a, a Green Lantern and possibly a, a Flash appear in this movie. And now... Jason Momoa's name has been attached to play. Maybe some people are saying Doomsday, maybe Martian Manhunter, 
Another group saying he's been cast to play Metallo or Metallo. I don't know how you how people Met, pronounce Metallo. that. that so is it uh, Magneto or Magneto? <clears throat> Magneto. See, this is a this is all about no, no, how it's, people it's pronounce. Complicated. Kind of like the uh, the the Tita Nyam man. <laughs> exactly. How, how do you pronounce Jason Moamoa? We don't know. Yeah. How does he pronounce it? That's the most important. Well, one. he pronounces it. I'm sleeping with Lisa Bonet, Neener Pants, Neener <laughs> Pants. Really? Pronounce it however he married her. Oh, really? He's, I didn't know he's that. been married to Lisa Bonet. They have children together. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think of this? Is this? Uh, you, could you see him playing something in this Man of Steel two movie? Mm, yes. And what you know, a lot of people say Doomsday, which would be an odd casting choice. I think. It would because be an I odd just story. Choice. Well, it would be an odd story. Yeah, that an odd story choice. Martian Manhunter, maybe. Metallo, okay, but you know, since if they're really building this up and playing off this new 52, mm-hmm. wouldn't he make a good dark side? Uh, it, de- it depends on your expectations of dark side. When you say to me, I want dark side, you know, I want somebody who's built like the great Kali with the voice of James Earl Jones. So, yeah, I think Jason Momoa would be interesting in that. I, I don't know. I like the people who say Martian Manhunter. Yeah, yeah. Mostly because Martian Manhunter just doesn't get enough love. Well, I'm sure one, he gets plenty of love if he's married to Lisa well, if You know what I'm uh, saying? But, you know, it, the Martian Manhunter's last uh, live-action outing was, uh, I believe it was Major Winchester in 1992. Oh, please don't remind me. Uh, well, oh, no, no. Actually, Martian Manhunter was in Smallville, played by... Oh, what's that um, that actor's name? The You'd, face on his head? Yes, the guy with the face on his said. head. You know what, Rodrigo? I, I don't know who it was, but if you tell me what he was in. Was it Carl Lumbly? No. No, no, no. <clears throat> Carl Lumbly voiced him on uh, Justice League Unlimited. It was... <laughs> Everybody scrambling. Phil Morris. Yes. Phil Morris. It was the guy from Mission Impossible. Phil Morris. Yes. That's who it was. I had to sink through and I'm like, I know his dad was in the old Mission Impossible. Yes, Phil, that is Phil and Morris. And then I had yeah. to run through the Mission Impossible credits in my he head in- and then think, that was Greg. Okay, Greg's son is named Phil because I was thinking it was um, the other guy. You well, know he played one. Vandal Savage in Justice League Doom. He's been... Um, he was in Atlantis. He did voiceover for that. Um, in um, Justice, of, Young Justice, he has the same voice actor as yes. Cleveland Jr. Yes, there you go. Which I love. Yeah. That Cleveland Jr. voice, that's what I want to hear from a Martian Manhunter. I want a voice that you know makes you feel like you have a cold rumbling in your chest when you say Martian Manhunter. So, <clears throat> Rodrigo, I got a question. What's up? With all of this rumors, uh, Wonder Woman, Flash... Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter. Is this still a Man of Steel movie? I mean, they they said that this was not going to be renamed the Justice League movie. Right. Uh, it's probably still going to focus on Superman. Here's here's what I'm really hoping that this rumor leads us. I, I, I really hope that they do cast Jason Momoa. And I hope that this is actually a swerve. Um, I'm hoping that the announcement that Ben Affleck is going to play Batman was just a red herring and actually they're going to give it to Jason Momoa. And then Ben Affleck will play Wonder Woman. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I've already and said then, that Ben Affleck would then, play a terrible Wonder Woman. And Yaz Pistachio will then play Cyborg. 
What's her name? Gal Gadot. Yeah. Her. I. Yeah. Matthew Quick, who would be the best actor to play Booster Gold? In the universe? Yes. Steven Weber in 1987 no, no, no. or 88. Today's modern oh, times. Yeah. You know the first thing that pops into my head? What's that? Ryan Reynolds, but Ryan Reynolds isn't that guy anymore. Oh, I know. Who? Who should play Booster Gold, but who? I have to think of his name. Okay. What's he been He's in? not blonde. He was in um, The End of the World with Jonah Hill. He's tall and skinny and sometimes has a beard. Uh, with a James Franco, it? yes, he was he was uh, Green Goblin's son. Yes, yeah, James Franco, because he has that sort of that thing where he's lovable and snide and incredibly obnoxious all at once, and he can say something and you'd be like, "What a pretentious jackwagon!" And then he'll turn around and he'll just give you that look, and you'll be like, "Oh, but it's so cool! He's he's Booster Gold." Rodrigo, same question. Zach Efron. Both of you are wrong. Casper Van Dien. <laughs> wrong. wrong. <Yeah>. <laughs> the aliens are here. They've uh, the been only, here since 1972. The only problem, I think, with Casper Van Dien is I think he's too old. He's 44. He is way old. And, yeah. But, I mean, he looks young, though. I mean, when you look at him, he looks really young. But if you could have cast him back when he was in Starship Troopers as Booster Gold, he would have been the perfect age and the perfect look. Yeah, but nobody Gold. cared about Booster Gold back when Starship Troopers came out. They should have, and that's what would have saved Warner Brothers DC Universe a long okay. time ago. No. No. You know who you know who is a who was a great Booster Gold in the movies? Who's that? Is uh the guy who was Mr. Fantastic, not Mr. Fantastic, uh Miss uh, actually now Captain Captain Amazing in uh oh, Mystery Man. Yes. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. He's yeah, literally yeah, he's literally playing Booster Gold in that. You said yes. Greg Kinnear, right, Matthew? Yeah, Greg Kinnear okay. as, as Captain Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And now that you mention it, he's playing Booster Gold the way Booster Gold would appear like six or eight years later, which is yeah. really awesome. That that movie, I feel, is really ahead of its time, and I'm waiting for the cult classic label to be slapped on. That oh, it was thing. slapped on it, that a long really, time ago. It really was because it started parodying superheroes before superhero movies made it. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, comic book superheroes had been around for a long time, and TV superheroes had been around for a long time, but movie superheroes hadn't really found that foothold that they have now. So, yeah. Mystery Man seems weirdly prescient, for the, um, even for, though, you know, superheroes have been around forever. Yeah. For those of you who are wondering, Zach is out this week, had to go work for his uh, real-world job uh, recording some basketball games for the for the network. Rodrigo is at home tonight because he was shooting in Manhattan today. Mm-hmm. And Matthew is, of course, at home because that's where Matthew is always at. That's right. And I'm at home because I'm not at my... Uh, Coming to you live from a divan in Northeast Kansas. A divan. As always. <laughs> my grandmother always called him divan. Yes, I know. That's actually a technical term, but it's it's one of those words that people just don't don't use very much anymore. Like it's a, right like next a, to the shiffer robe. Like a Chesterfield? Yes. Yeah, or an Audible. Yes. Eddie's in the space-time continuum. Oh, is, is that his sofa? Uh, but yes, and suddenly a Chesterfield has appeared on the cricket match, on the cricket pitch. Uh, boy. Australia seems very confused. <laughs> and now there are robots coming out of the sky and killing people. Oh, uh, long. What was that one? So long, thanks for all the fish? No, that was... That, uh, that was... Long, uh, dark, te- no. Uh, no. Third, third book, third book. The third book, yes. Stop saying ones that are wrong. Life, the wow, universe, and everything. Really- no. Yes, thank you. Yes, all right. 
you guys watch the Godzilla trailer? I did, yeah. No. What'd you think of that? I thought it was interesting. They are definitely doing it right insofar as they're not showing you much yes, Godzilla, which is exactly. kind of what you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting that, uh, you know, Godzilla creates the genre, then I would say Cloverfield updates it, and now Godzilla has gone back and basically uh, is, is, is now a, a Cloverfield-style movie. Yeah, maybe not with the found footage, but you can see a lot of the same techniques being used. I forget. I, I didn't. The trailer was OK for me. I was like, oh, I kind of would like to have seen a little bit more, you know, like a spike cutting through the through the smoke a little sooner mm-hmm. or something like that. Something, uh, but it was yeah. OK. I mean, you got to see a smoky face. I think <laughs> that will uh, satisfy people for a while. Yeah. Did it have the roar? You got to have. the. Yeah, roar. it does have the roar it, right it at the end. Have the roar. Yeah. And so how tall is Godzilla supposed to be? He varies from movie to movie. You know, sometimes he's like stepping on a 10 story building and with like it's like it's nothing. And then other times like this one, he looks like maybe he is 10 stories tall. Well, Godzilla, I believe in his first outings was like 30 or 40 feet tall, about three or four stories. Mm. But, you know, there are there have been like 30 Godzilla movies. I know. He's up and down the height tables and the power charts, you know, like a horse drawers, basically. So who would who would win in a fight? Would it be Godzilla or the Power Rangers Zord? Like the, Ooh, the that's giant. tough. That is yeah, well, first of all, there are thirty-two Zords. Well, 32 pick, pick pick your favorite and, and one and with about, Amy Jo Johnson. And about as, and about as many Godzilla movies. Uh, so yeah, you could pick one Godzilla against the Amy, against. Amy Amy Jo Johnson's uh, right. Power Ranger set versus. Okay. Um, Godzilla when he beat up uh, Mecha Godzilla. <laughs> See, I, I'd have to go with Godzilla because <laughs> what's, what's he's coming over? off that he's <laughs> coming off that big win, right? And you know, he come off that big win for Mecha Godzilla. He's definitely got the push. What about now? He's given up a little bit of range. What about when he fought King Kong? Okay, throw that one in. Throw in. that. Well, he's definitely gave up range to King Kong. You see, but you have to figure that that Megazord. In Japan, has a really impressive name like uh, I don't know God Vulcan or something. But you know, when you think about it, you're like, okay, so you're trying to balance this out. I would say the odds are still on Godzilla. Really? Because yeah, because Godzilla, he's he's like a force of nature. Hmm. Many of the of the guys that the the Megazord, the Zoo Ranger, and their Megazord, <laughs> Power Ranger, the guys that they took down. Yeah. We're lamers. They're like low, lower tier guys. They're the 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 Marty Janettis and your your uh, I don't know your let's call them Fandango guys at the bottom of the level. Godzilla is like top of that card. You you have to work your way up. And I think that canonically, if you're looking at the American Power Rangers, um, mm-hmm. that that Megazord was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as the next villain showed up so. by, by a giant monster. And then the next Megazord was likewise destroyed right, before so. they upgraded a third time. I mean, mm. Megazords go down with frightening regularity. Mm, that doesn't sound good. Especially in America. So, Oh, you, you want to see something that uh, <laughs> goes down quite regularly? Zach playing video games. He gets killed <laughs> left and right. What? His characters get killed left and right. And you can go see uh, Zach play video games over at Majorspoilers.com. I don't know what's got in his head. I guess he's got, what is it, uh, Steambox or whatever it is, uh, has a sale going on. What's it called? (laughs) Steam. It's just Steam. Okay. Keep moving. Keep moving. (laughs) So he's bought a whole bunch of games and he's been playing them and recording them. 
and uh, posting them on the major spoiler site for your amusement and he enjoyment. Apparently had a character called Bromaster. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm frightened. <laughs> Go check it out over at Majorspoilers.com. And I'm going to make this announcement now because this is kind of big. Um, this Saturday, bright and early, 8 a.m. Central Time. We're kind of mixing these times up to try one, find one that works. We're going to be doing our December live chat that we normally do for gold VIP members. But check this out. I'm feeling mighty generous this month. I was su- You guys are going to have to listen to an upcoming uh, Munchkin Land to hear how nice I am this holiday season. Mm-hmm. Or it could also be that I'm, I'm drinking a stone IPA. But this weekend, instead of making our December live chat only for our gold VIP members, we're going to stream this free for everybody. Wow. So you are going to want to get in on this action. You are going to want to jump into the chat room. It's basically the way I want to approach this as uh, we're bringing in some equipment. We're bringing in a couple of students from the university. Going to try to do this uh, a lot better than what we have been doing in the past. But we're going to try to do it in the finally Friday format that I have been teasing people about uh, for some time. Uh, where we're commenting on stories from the week that was and just generally answering any questions or comments that you guys have. We're going to see if we can get the Skype line interfaced so that we can get that going out over the air. And Matthew, if you are awake and around and not working, uh, we might be even able to Skype you in. When is this? 8 a.m. is the call time. 8.30 is the broadcast time. 8.30? Yep. So you'd have to be in one of those in the morning, too? Yes. What day is this? Saturday, December 14th. 2013. Is this Saturday? That is this Saturday. Um, you know, possible. All right. I have double check because I want to see about uh, putting your face in the big thing. I always feel bad when I'm not on the show because you're like, we're having shows and I'm not there. And it seems like, you know, hey, we don't need that guy. You know, then I get sad. Well, then uh, you should you should be there then. <laughs> And I, you know, eat a whole pizza out of shame. I, no, wait I a always, minute. You eat a whole pizza out of shame? Matthew, I get my finger at you. Tell the truth. Okay, I just eat a whole pizza. <laughs> I eat a whole pizza <laughs> out of a box. <laughs> Cardboard box. You can check this all out. I'll put a link to it up on the Major Spoilers site, but you're going to have to go over to the Major Spoilers VIP site. You can find that at members.majorspoilers.com to watch a live stream, to join in on the chat room. All of that good stuff. That's this Saturday. Mark it on your calendars. We hope to see a million of you out there. A lot more things over at the VIP site. Got a couple of more. Uh, we got the Trell and Torque character sheets going up this next week, too. Trell and Torque character sheet. Yes. Wait, is it the character sheet that I scribbled all the things on it? Yes, all the ones where you wrote uh, Rodrigo is an evil DM. Yeah, Rob's Orm, bastard. Orm, Orm smells, smells funny. All Orm does smell funny. He yes, smells he like corn lilacs, on the cob. Lilacs and corn on the cob. Yeah, Let us get to some reviews. <laughs> so, Matthew, last week you finally picked up Amazing Spider-Man, number hey, 700. Spider-Man. Oh, my son oh. is going around talking about all the snowmen that are around. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, yeah, the snowmans. They're awesome. Uh, amazing Spider-Man. Snowman. Yes, Amazing Spider-Man seven hundred point one. So this is not this is not written by Dan Slott. No, art not by Humberto Ramos, and probably not. most interesting, not Doc Ock inside right. the head of Peter Parker. But it should be noted that the point one issues that Marvel has been doing are basically continuity inserts. They're 
their miniseries that take place at a certain point in time. Uh, there was an Iron Man miniseries that took place right after the Armor Wars, Iron Man 258.1, 2, 3, and 4. And for those of you who were going, yay, Spider-Man is back, maybe, but this may not be the point where it happens. Spider-Man 700.1 takes place chronologically after Spider-Man 700, which is a couple years ago now. About a year. Yeah, something like that. It's been a while. Well, it's been been 12 months, so Marvel has put out 57 issues of the (laughs) book. Pretty much, yeah. So, um, and this one starts with a very strong open. It's just a one-page recap of Peter Parker's origin uh, by Fred Van Lenty and John Romita. And I'm like, ooh, John Romita art. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy reading this book until it's not a, drawn by John Romita. But it is, however, drawn by Klaus Janssen. And if you're familiar with uh, the old school Daredevils, the Frank Miller Daredevils, yeah, Klaus yeah. Janssen was his his uh, yeah, his art, yeah. crime. And this basically takes place on the days before a major storm. And it's pretty much your Peter Parker story, you know. Uh, you remember the scene from the trailer where he webs two guys between two uh, towers from like 10 years ago when they had the, oh, last- yeah, the first Spider-Man movie? They do that. And then they have a bit where he gets involved in uh, a hit and run and he saves people. And Peter Parker, though, throughout this issue is feeling melancholy. He's feeling weird. He's feeling out of sorts and he doesn't know why. And there's this foreboding, this sense of something is going on that even Spider-Man can run out of strength. Ooh. And this, again, is right before. If I understand the continuity pot at this point, it is possible that whatever Dr. Octopus did back in Amazing Spider-Man 698 is starting to affect him. Yeah. Because he's feeling sickly and he's feeling cold and he can't really figure it out. And he's like, oh, sure, winter's coming. That's all it is. It's winter. Yeah. What is this? Game of what? Oh, wait. Was that the theme to The Walking Dead? Yes, it was the theme to The Walking Dead. Breaking Bad, Bad, Breaking Bad, Bad, Breaking Bad, Bad. See, all of the themes are the same these days, and they all just go, in any case, he wakes up. Sling some webs now. And we're cha-chaing. Um, but in any case, J. Jonah Jameson is like, Spider-Man's a menace. And Aunt May is like, oh, Peter, you're so sickly. Why are you babbling about spiders? And Peter lays down after, of course, a, a flashback about Uncle Ben, who uh, had the best converted rice, I might point out, lays down and sleeps for like 22 hours. And what he sleeps through is a blizzard. So he wakes up and he finds that New York is paralyzed by a massive monster lizard. Wow. The, the power is out. Aunt May is in her house with no heat, no electricity, no food. She can't do anything. She's like stuck in the house. And Peter is like, we're in a blizzard. So this must but, is this is before is this before Aunt May married uh, J. Jonah Jameson's dad? It would have to be. Wow. Okay. Which now that I think about it, didn't she marry him before that? Yeah. Weird. I wonder where this actually takes place in continuity. Exactly. But Aunt May is still living in Queens and she has no heat and 
there's a tree crashing through her house. So the windows are broken and Aunt May is slow, slowly freezing to death. Her phone is out. She has no power and she thinks no one could get here. And the last page, the last panel is Peter crawling out of his uh, little skylight. No, Peter could never reach Aunt May, but Spider-Man can. It's interesting. I wonder, um, question. Yes, sir. Remember, um, we talked, we did a dueling review, and people can go check out our dueling review podcast. Um, Daredevil, Darkest Night. Legends of the Dark Knight, yeah. Yes. Daredevil. So also took place during a giant blizzard. Was there a giant blizzard in New York the last couple of years to where people are writing about it? There's all like a giant blizzard in New York all the time. There's probably a giant blizzard going on in New York right uh, now. There was there was a big one uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Last fall, they, they had, you know, the super Yeah, they had storm. a hurricane. But I don't know. Either way, yeah, this is very similar. I'm wondering if we're going to see Daredevil in the background having his adventure in the same blizzard. Ooh, yeah, that'd be pretty crazy. That's deep, Ogre. I don't know if that's the case. I do know that this is an interesting issue. It's, you know, it's well constructed. It has that sense of foreboding to it. The art's wonderful. Uh, Jansen kind of knocks this one out of the park. So when I'm, I'm reading the issue, I'm like, oh, no, it's not John Romita, but I'm kind of okay with that. And Klaus Jansen actually draws an Aunt May who looks realistically 70, but is also kind of a pretty woman which I think is fascinating. Sometimes people go overboard with the wrinkles and the thing and, you know, make her look like a hideous freakish mutant with no neck. But here she looks like a human being, which is hard to do with May Parker and her character design. The thing about it is aside from the novelty of, we haven't seen a Peter Parker story in a year or so, or however long it's been, it doesn't necessarily feel like a really out of the ordinary, super special story. It's just a kind of well-done Spider-Man issue. And I think that the people, if there are any, I know Rob was like, oh, they're bringing back oh, Spider-Man. He was excited about reading it. Yeah. I, I don't know that those guys are going to get what they're expecting because this is not the story that brings Peter Parker back. This is not the story that, oh, uh, Dr. Octopus is overthrown and, and Spider-Man is now in control of his brain anymore. This yeah. is a Spider-Man tale told in the in the recent past. It's a, it's a good Spider-Man tale. It's a good-looking story. It's a you know a, a strong, consistent story, but it's not necessarily what people seemed to expect it was. Rob's not the only one who had that assumption. Yeah, uh, that I saw on the entire web. I saw that. Yeah, this ain't that, but it is good. Well, you and, gotta admit the solicitation did kind of jack people around because it says one year after his death at the hands of the superior Spider-Man, Peter Parker is back. What's the first rule of solicitations? You do not believe the solicitation. <laughs> Don't read the, the solicitations. The second rule of solicitations is you do not believe the solicitation. The only rule more important than that is don't read internet comments. <laughs> I could have told uh, you that. But yeah, three and a half slices of meatloaf, a solid book, really nice book. It was something where I was like, yeah, this is nice. This reminds me of what Spider-Man was kind of awesome in the 70s. Cool. I'm good with all of this. Excellent. Uh, there's what? Two point two, point three, and point four coming out in yeah, the coming week. weeks. Yeah, I think two and three are coming out this week, and four the week after. Which is so weird. Or maybe two, three, and four are all out this. Yeah, week. I don't remember. What it's, I, it's, what I think happened. What I really think happened. I think they commissioned a cool miniseries at some point, and they're like, "Hey, this is a cool miniseries. What are we going to do with it?" And they're like, "Oh well, Peter's not Spider Man. Let's make it one of those point one things." Yeah, there you go. 
pretty sure that happens all the time. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you for that, Matthew. Uh, this week, coming out from Dynamite Entertainment, is Doc Savage number one. So excited about this. One of my favorite pulp heroes of all time, uh, Clark Savage Jr. His, his uh, colleagues call his father Doc, but not him. Uh, this is a story that takes place in 1938. It is rather interesting because, according to the last interview that I had with Chris Roberson, um, we're getting introduced to a villain that's never been introduced before. We're kind of seeing an origin story start to form, and we're going to be moving this story arc through 80 years of Doc Savage uh, history. So we're going to eventually, at some point, catch up to modern times and what Doc is doing. So in this book, uh, some strange Aurora Borealis is uh, showing up over portions of New York, and wherever that's showing up, people are going crazy and mad and can't control their their, uh, inhibitions, and they're just going nuts and beating each other in the street. And then whenever the Aurora Borealis disappears, everyone returns back to normal and they can't remember anything that they've done. Doc puts his mind to it and uh, figures it out. And we meet the villain and Doc wins. And there's some interesting things. And big, longtime fans of Doc Savage will recognize a lot of the familiar tropes that go into a Doc Savage story. If you're wondering what hairstyle Doc is wearing in this book, he starts out with the, uh, the comb over that he was originally and often described as in the book. Although there is a moment where he does kind of get a widow fro going on, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, the story I think needs to pick up a little bit more. It wasn't as great as I thought it would be, but this is only the first chapter still solid. The art is good. Um, the story is good. I'm going to give this four slices of meatloaf out of five. And for those of you who are wondering uh, what's going to happen this week since we don't have a Zach on film, we're actually going to have a bonus major spoilers podcast coming out on Friday where Chris Roberson and I sit down and we do a page by page uh, director's commentary uh, of the issue. So be looking for that later this week on the major spoilers podcast network. My name's Steven and I know the writer. I do know the writer and he's a cool guy. Uh, and he's agreed to come on and do this for us and with us. So that should be interesting. So go check that out later this week. Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Doc Savage number one, still four slices of meatloaf, still very solid. I do have some nitpicks when we uh, talk with Chris, and he's going to explain everything. So looking forward to that. Rodrigo, what do you have for us this week? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you a choice. I can either okay. review um, Kiss Me Satan number four, mm. or I can review uh, Zoo Tycoon for the Xbox 360. Oh, is that that uh, Zoo Tycoon? You want to do Zoo Tycoon? Let's do Zoo Tycoon. Okay. So, Kiss Me Satan number four. (laughs) I knew a girl in high school named Zoo Tycoon. She was actually from Thailand. Uh, So, uh, Zoo Tycoon is a game from the Tycoon series. uh, Yeah, this is the same people that did like the, um, the, not the circus, the amusement park. uh, Roller roller coaster coaster tycoon. tycoon. You know what? I, let me, I'll get back to you on that, because I actually okay. think that there's a possibility that it isn't. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, Zoo Tycoon is a game, uh, it's it's kind of a, a building and uh, strategy and resource management game. If you're familiar with SimCity, that's with an M, SimCity. Yep, City. yep. yep. Um, or um, the part of civilization where you're not stabbing people. Um, you then then that's that's what zoo tycoon is about and what you do is you're trying to build a successful zoo um at first i was kind of annoyed at it 
because it has two ways of looking at your zoo. You can either um, look at it from the top, like you do in the majority of these games, to uh, build things and add animals to the exhibits and stuff. Or you can look at it as a human walking around your zoo. And from the tutorial, it really made it seem like you had to do that, um, which was very problematic for me because I kind of have a terrible sense of direction. So I oh, kept yeah, getting yeah. lost in my own zoo. Um, that, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, but later on, I figured out that you can actually pretty much, at least as far as I've gotten, play the whole game in what they call tycoon view. There's like, um, actually, I forget what the uh, like third person view is, or, or like the first person view is. Um, now, the the animals are very cool. They're very well rendered. Um, some are better than better looking than others. Like the elephants look great. The elephants are very realistic. Um, they behave like elephants and they walk around. Um, the The game has a lot of different directions that it wants you to go. I mean, it's a, it's it's kind of a, a rich uh, experience in the sense that it's like uh, when you get an animal, you have to do lots of things. You have to feed it, you have to keep it entertained, and you have to clean its habitat. So at first, you're spending a lot of time kind of managing each of the animals until you can finally uh, spend some money and get some um, like zookeepers to help you. Mm, okay. And the zookeepers will automatically do that for you. Same thing with cleaning up your park. You can eventually get some janitors and they'll help you. Um, despite the fact that it's a surprisingly mundane uh, video game in that sense, I mean, it could be like, you know, it could have, they could have made it Space Zoo Tycoon. I think that familiarity actually makes it nice um, because you don't have to be like, okay, what are the green globs that I have to collect? Oh, yeah. Or where do I have to build my pylons? I mean, that's it's nice that the things that you look at are basically what they're supposed to be. Um, going into it, I really thought I was like, well, I kind of wish this was a game about space or like a, like a robot tycoon. Or something like that, but I was I was I was pleasantly surprised. Um, there are mission uh, games where you go into a zoo that's already built, and you're supposed to, you know, either like rehabilitate animals or get the zoo out of debt or just um, essentially accomplish different missions. Or like all of a sudden they slap you with five missions, and you're supposed to like try to do them all at once, like, or simultaneously work towards all five of them because they're timed. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways of playing it. Um, now you're playing this on the Xbox 360. I'm playing this on the Xbox 360. There's a new uh, Xbox One version that's just been released. Yeah, I think they were I guess it's just porting over or whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, do you, you don't have a Kinect, do you? I do not. Okay. Because it um. says you can use your Kinect to to play with the uh, the X, with the uh, Zook Tycoon. So no, no, Connecticut. Yes, I do not have a Connecticut, um, and I had to clear a bunch of stuff out of my Xbox. I have like I think like my Xbox was 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 sold to me by a friend who was moving away, so it's old and has like a very small hard drive. Oh yeah, and this game I think is kind of big, um, so. 
uh, playing it was is, is kind of a kind of an issue for me, especially since apparently it's like also an Xbox One game. So who knows what the what the complexity is there? Um, but you know, sometimes you just kind of want to sit down and and build a a, a sim zoo. Um, and and it's nice for that. There's there's a mode that I think gives you um, unlimited money, so you can just build the the zoo of your dreams and just keep building and building and building and do whatever you want. Uh, Is this? I mean, I don't know. This uh, does not. I mean, it's uh, so. First of all, it's not by the same company that does Roller Coaster Tycoon or any of that. Um, it's not. No, they all they do is yeah, the zoo t- zoo tycoon uh, series. Yeah. What I'm curious about is, I don't know, these kind of simulation games seem kind of boring because I'm cleaning up elephant dung for a day. That yeah, doesn't sound very exciting. Really, that the, the issue is that it, it's kind of, how do I explain it? Like, the, the very mundane tasks sometimes do, like, they're just like, there's a, there's a fundamental boredom factor to cleaning poop or repairing a uh like a like a little tire swing for your chimpanzees or something like that right mm, okay um but that is kind of countered by the fact that once you get enough animals there's so much stuff that you need to be doing that you're kind of whipping back and forth between exhibits fixing things uh repairing things and 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 at this and picking up poop and at the same time, trying to enhance your zoo so that more people will come in, so that more money will come in, so that A, you can maintain your repairs, and B, actually, you know, continue to be profitable and build up your zoo. So, clearly, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, Is there at least a mini game where, like, when the protesters show up, you get to t- turn a hose on them or something? No, um, I haven't tried it yet, but there's this thing that says you can release the animals, and I think they mean you can release them into the wild. Oh, not just loose and terrorize but not them. Just, not just loose into the, <laughs> into the zoo, but there might be. Right now, I've been trying to play it straight, like not, not, not try to experiment too much. For example, I haven't tried to put like a, uh, a lion in like the monkey pen. Oh, that'd be See awesome. See what happens. Um, so the monkey pen. you have to, you have to take my review, uh, with a grain of salt in that I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to play it for very long. Uh, but you know, I'm a fan of games like this. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, the SimCity stuff. I'm a big fan of stuff like Spore. Yeah. Uh, where you get to be creative. The interface is very pretty. Um, when you build a new, like your zoo kind of exists in this big green field. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. And when you build a new addition, you kind of like it appears and it's kind of floating there and it's got this like uh, kind of cylinder to show you where it's going to go and where it moves. It kind of intelli- as you move it, it kind of intelligently builds paths from the other exhibits um, to to connect it. Uh, and if you put it certain places, it just can't figure out how to connect it. So it doesn't let you. Um, and then when you set it, it kind of builds the zoo around it, matches the decorations and everything, which isn't like a crazy um, thing that we've never seen before. But the interface is very attractive. You um, should uh, try to build the Rolling Hills Refuge. Um, there you go. And see how well you manage that park. Giraffes on the plains. Yep. Yes. So uh, altogether, I'll give it uh, three slices of meatloaf. Um, 
it's it's a pleasant experience so far. I don't know how much how long I'm actually going to want to play it. Um, I'm personally not a big fan of missions in uh, those games. So in those types of games. So there's a chance that once I'm done exploring all of the normal complications of the game, I'll just completely lose interest. Cool. But that hasn't happened yet. All right. Excellent. And if anybody's interested, you can go over to uh, marketplace.xbox.com. They have a free demo that you can download and play to your heart's content. It was just released like last week, 1130, two weeks ago yep. for the free demo. And, uh, and the free demo is is the, the first thing that I played. Um, it's basically just got a tutorial and one mission game that you can play. Mm. So they do a pretty good job of of you being like, oh, there's probably a lot more stuff that I can do. I should buy this whole thing. Cool. And if you are looking to buy an Xbox 360, probably not an Xbox One because you can't find those anywhere. Maybe you're looking oh. to buy these games. Uh, go over to Majorspoilers.com. Click on that Amazon.com link, that banner, that button right there on the right corner, and it will take you to Amazon. You can buy all your stuff like normal. A little bit comes our way and allows us to continue to do good things. And, oh, man, there's something big coming down January 1st on the site that you will want to check out. I'm excited for it. I think we made a mistake, though. Uh Uh-oh. Because um, the logo was a giant octopus eating the world. What? Yeah, and and now I've found out that the uh, NSA is already using that. Oh. So now we can't use that. Oh, well, that's okay. Good things coming in 2014. What about a giant Rodrigo eating lo mein? <laughs> that would be Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah. Cthulhu uh, doesn't have nearly as impressive a beard. <laughs> That's because it's hidden by his spaghetti uh, hanging out his mouth. All right. It is that point in the show. Oh, I should also mention uh, while you're over there clicking on that Amazon.com banner, read some of the other reviews, read some of the other stories over there. You might find something interesting like your first sneak peek at Miracle Man number one, the remastered edition. <laughs> I think that comes out next week. No, it comes out in January, January 8th, I believe. Dude, go read some Miracle Man. Yeah, boy. January 15th, that's when that comes out. All right. Now that the reviews are over, it is that time of the show. It's time. What's it time for? You may ask yourself. This is not my beautiful stapler, but it's time. (laughs) Oh, man. I completely forgot what it is time for. No, no. I, I heard a band today. That sound just like Talking Heads, and I could have swore for about the first thirty seconds of the song that it was uh, that it was Burn singing. I was like, "Whoa, that's pretty creepy." Oh, was it One Direction? No, it was uh, crap. I'll find it here in a minute. It's like Downbeat, something or other. I forget. The Downbeats. Zach would be able to. Tell he would. Us. He would tell me exactly who it was. Zach would be like, "That's the lead singer of the Decemberists, teamed up with the guy from Stone Pony." <laughs> Thanks a lot, there, Zach. But you know one thing, Zach wouldn't forget. What's that? He wouldn't forget that it's time the for the There you go. The week, 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 week. Are you implying that you can replace me? <laughs> no, I said he wouldn't be Uh-oh. able to. So the last couple of weeks, we've been battling it out with the Doctor Who villains. I think it is time for us to take a break. The Who. The Who. Uh, it's time to do some little entertainment. And one of our listeners, or one of our many fans, wrote in and said, hey, man. Actually, Fanless. I didn't say that. He, he actually said, hey, major spoilers. I don't know if you accept <laughs> suggestions for the major spoilers poll of the week, but if you do, I've got one. No. What never. would happen? What would happen if Orko from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe 
and Presto from Dungeons and Dragons, what if they put on a show, a competition, magic show? We'd all who, die in eldritch fire. Whose act, who, which magician would mess up their show the least? Which magician would mess up their show the least? Orko or Presto? Matthew Go. Eldritch fire. Burned corpses. The lamentations of your women. These things would happen. But if you break it down, Presto is what? A 13-year-old kid? He was something you know, like all that. he's got all he's got is his character sheet and 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 a magic hat. He's got a high charisma score, I'll give him that. Whereas Orko, Orko is, God, I don't know what in the hell Orko is. They come from a race of uh, little elf guys. He's this faceless, pointy-eared thing who's a living hat voiced by Lou Schemer. And, I mean, that right there, you kind of want him to get the scrappy-doo. You do. Um, but if I were to break it down, I voted Presto for the sole reason that Presto was occasionally useful in combat, whereas I can't remember Orko being anything more than, you know, a wacky impediment to He-Man's adventures because they weren't allowed to actually fight. So I went with Presto, and also I'm, I'm just really, really thrilled that someone remembers Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, hey, speaking of Dungeons & Dragons, check this out. Hear that? Uh, yes. my mom came out to visit, uh, my son had a, uh, Christmas holiday concert, whatever they call those things at school that they go and sing songs and Christmas Kwanzaa. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I put Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> That's what it is. But she was like, you know, I, I, I listened to your critical hit show that you guys do. And I seem to remember that you used to have a Dungeons and Dragons when you were a kid. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, uh, had it. And she goes, well, I went looking through a box of stuff. And she found Dungeons and Dragons set one basic rules, the original red box. Well, this is an 83 printing uh, that has the so player's not manual, the not the original uh, Dungeon Master's rule book. And it still has the original six dice that uh, came with it, too. You open Ooh, up the, the box. mud dice. Yeah, yeah. You open up the uh, you open up the box and the 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 odor of the mildew just hits you. It's still, it's all still all there. I was that's, surprised. That's, I was good, like, that's good description, Stephen. Yeah, you're, boy. you're a good dungeon master. Yeah. Well, okay. Flavor so uh, people have been asking, uh, Stephen, you say you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, but you have these Dungeons and Dragons things from your youth. What gives? Are you lying to us? The answer, the answer my friends. Yes. No, the answers, my friends, can be heard this weekend on the live show <gasps> well, I, where I will explain it all to you. But uh, going back to the poll of the week with our Dungeons and Dragons Presto <laughs> and Orco. Presto and Orco. I'm going to say that Orco is going to mess up his show the least because Presto is kind of thrust upon the magician role uh, or had the magician role thrust upon him. Um, but Orco has been raised in that environment the entire time. So while they're still going to mess up their shows, Orko is going to do it the least. Rodrigo, what do you uh, what do you say there? Um, I don't know. This is a this is a tough one. Have you ever seen the original uh, animated Dungeons and Dragons TV series? I did. I did. Excellent. Um, and I actually used to watch He Man as well. So oh, excellent. Um, he Man. 
This is one of those times where it's kind of good that Zach's not here because he he would be completely be lost. Like, I'm going yeah. to need to look up Orko. What's an Orko? So I, I think that, um, unfortunately, I think that Orko would probably uh, screw up his show the most, but probably would do it uh, entertainingly. Um, I would say that although Presto tends to be a fairly incompetent magician, um, his main role, like almost every other character, um, except for Hank, maybe, is just to disagree with Eric. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the like complainer every- is always wrong. Robert. Yes. Everybody everybody else is like, let's do this. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to. And then he's <laughs> wrong. And everybody learns a lesson of some kind. And that lesson is Eric is a jerk. Yes. That, that lesson is Eric was wrong, regardless of what we were doing. Um, so, uh, I think because, uh, Presto is a little bit more, uh, subdued, he would probably be able to pull off a show okay without too much consequence. Uh, Orko, I think, would try to improvise too much. If things mm. started going well, he would get a little bit too confident and, uh, screw something up, possibly turning all of his audience into, uh, some kind of, uh, beast creature or like that. or like turning their feet invisible or something like that um, do you think that everybody who works for skeletor is just a guy who got in the way when orko was experimenting yeah but definitely not on purpose it's just somebody who like a janitor at uh yeah. at the palace <laughs> and <laughs> then yeah the king is just like up oh, just send this guy over yeah so just send this guy over to skeletor um now what's interesting to me is the uh I hadn't really noticed. It wasn't until I saw the picture today that I really saw it. The similarities between uh, Orko and the robots from the black hole. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just uh, these, these kind of floating guys with big eyes <laughs> and, and no other distinguishing features. Oh, my God. I hate you. <laughs> because you're right. <laughs> he, look, he looks like old Bob the way yeah, the picture yeah. is cropped. Yeah. Uh, he even got an O on his chest that stands for old, old Bob. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you both. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you for cropping him for pointing out. I resign. Uh, Marcus, Marcus Wren or Marcus Wren or Marcus Kren. Marcus K. Wren. Marcus K. Wren. There you go. I don't know who would uh, mess up the least, but Orko has to be the winner always. Derek says, I recall Presto constantly screwing everything up. I can't recall Orko mucking things up as much. You may need to go back and watch e <laughs> Yeah. Um. Let's see. Russell Cat says, I think Presto might win this battle. Orko's problem was due to him traveling to Eternia in the first place. Something in Eternia causes his magic to misfire. Presto's hat seems to be sentient and prone to misinterpreting his wishes or fulfilling them in strange ways. All in all, I think Presto's scripts would be functional and funny enough to carry the show to conclusion. Orko gets the win for his all-time epic character theme, uh, says Andreas. And I'm guessing it's... I don't know. And then he pulls out a giant phone and goes, Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Orko's uh, theme is actually the same music they use for Randy Orton. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Presto did Presto. He did magic Orko. I don't recall doing anything, says Mark. And back when I was a kid, there was an idea that one day Presto would be good and pull a gun out of the hat and just shoot Venger. 
hey, we were nine when the BBC showed them in the UK. Um, let's That's see who else. A lot of initials. Blue Yonder says Presto is a kid, and I and I still hold hope that he's going to grow up into a badass mage one day. Orko, on the other hand, is just Orko. Put him on a show, and you're stuck with him. Hi, I'm Orko. You can go and read even more of the comments from our fine, faithful Major Spoilerites over at Majorspoilers.com. You can also see who's winning or who's losing in this week's Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Orko did have a girlfriend, though. He did, and he's the only one that got to see her face. Presto didn't have a girlfriend, although I think Presto was was uh, in love with the girl who looked like Molly Ringwald. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. The hot one. They're both hot, actually. Yeah, yeah. A Diana the Acrobat. Man. Yeah, yeah. They were both hot and for cartoon she, characters. I mean, what are we talking about? Who's winning this poll of the week? Oh, sorry. 110 votes in the can until one moment ago. We were 50-50. Yeah, we were. Right now, 51% of the vote goes to Orco. And that 51% is literally two votes, Presto fans. This one, I mean, this one is a corker. It's a barn burner. It's a slobber knocker. Presto's going to win this, and Orko's going to run like a scalded dog. He's going to get beat like a government mule. Steven, ask me what a government mule is. Well, it's a government mule. It's what you get beat like when you're in a slobber knocker. I love Jim Ross. In any case, 110 votes in. Orko has a slight, tiny edge, and I think it's because of the better picture and his resemblance to a superior character in Old Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are like, you know, racial memory tells me that this Old Bob guy must be cool. Yes, maybe. Yeah. And he's voiced by Lou Schemer, who was the man who founded Filmation. Oh, really? Which I think is, yeah, I think that's hysterical. But Schemer liked to use himself and his family uh, in voiceover roles. And Orko has that voice. You know, it's that same voice that he did for uh, the Crow from the Brady Kids and uh, Batmite from the New Adventures of Batman. I, I All I hear is double dipping. I'm the founder of Shh. Filmation. Plus, you're also going to pay me handsomely to do a voice. <laughs> I'm going to give yeah. that guy who does the Orko voice a raise. <laughs> I see how it is. I see. I think he was also the voice of Randor. I don't know if it was so much that. <laughs> if you know about film filmation back in the day, there's actually a book out about yeah. that. Filmation worked on a budget that, uh, to call it a shoestring budget, would be to heavily overestimate how much string is actually involved. I'm wondering if it wasn't so much double dipping as somebody needs to voice this character, Lou. Yeah. Who the hell are we gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, so. I think there's a new book out. It's called The History of Filmation, I think is what it is. I would love to. And it's to. supposed to be the love inside look of uh, of how Filmation came to be and the rise and rise and rise of and uh, Filmation. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's a nostalgia factor that oh, goes yeah. around with everything uh, Filmation. If there even was a, though let me ask you they, a question. They Go were ahead. cheap, but they were occasionally awesome. If you look at things like, um, what was it, the uh, the Star Trek yeah, yeah, yeah. Animated series. That is phenomenal. And there's no amount of, you know, giant pink tribbles that are going to ruin the fact that those are really, really good, deep animated episodes. Some of those are to the point where they're on a par with third season episodes of the original series. Well, what was cool about um, Star Trek, the animated or the animated series was that um, they had the crew consisted of aliens from all over the place. 
Whereas, yeah. you know, when you watched uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, you didn't see hardly any of that. You saw it here and there. So a little yeah. bit in, in uh, DS9, uh, but it really wasn't until you got into, um, was it Voyager? Voyager. Yeah, Voy- where you well, actually started to see members of the crew who were actual aliens and on the bridge yeah. as aliens Alien and these aliens. kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember Lieutenant Eric with his three arms. Yes. I love that guy. He had a big pink rubbery head. The thing that was great about him was he replaced Chekhov because Chekhov was the only voice actor that they didn't have. And I'm wondering if in 1973, Filmation didn't spend all their money on getting Shatner and Nimoy and Jimmy Doohan mm. to the point where until the end of their animation in like 1990, whenever it was, that that's what was happening. They're like, man, we wanted to do some great He-Man episodes, but we have to reuse this same stock footage yeah, because yeah. of freaking Sulu. Yeah, yeah. You spent all our money on Sulu, Lou. Which is fun to say. So if you could bring back a Filmation series, Mm -hmm. what series would you bring back? Mm, I think it was a Filmation. Jason of Star Command. Yeah, Jason of Star Command, live action TV series, 1979. Loved that. That, it was one of those shows that had, it came out of that same Star Wars envy that birthed, you know, Buck Rogers and the Black Hole mm-hmm. and all of that stuff and the Flash Gordon reboot. <laughs> but it had this really particular filmation edge to it. Yeah. That was so weird. And it took all of these bits and pieces of pulps and sci-fi comic strips and stuck it all together. And, you know, they had uh, they had James Doohan on the show. No, really? Yeah, he was one of the recurring characters. He was the commander of Space Academy, if I'm not mistaken. A, a while ago, this was on uh, Netflix, and the widget and I were watching it. Jason of Star Command? Yeah, just flashing back, because he had a little robot on his belt named Wiki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wiki was this tiny robot who had a laser. Pew, pew. Did he go, beady, beady, beep, hey, buck? No. No. He did Do- not. That was Dr. Thelmopolis, I'm sorry. That was the Dr. one that he wore. Theopolis. Theopolis that he wore around his... Uh, but Theopolis uh, actually spoke with a perfect... Yes, movie. yes. <laughs> yes, Twiggy was the uh, other robot. Tweaky. Rodrigo, do you have a uh, you have a filmation show that you would love to see come back? Absolutely. I think they should definitely bring back Brave Star. Ooh, Brave Star was so good. Brave Star Brave is Star like the, was... Brave Star is the only cowboy show that I've ever cared about. Oh yeah, and, and you so can you can of its time though. Yeah. Oh, you kind of love. I'm I'm torn because, you know, I kind of want to see. I, I kind of want to see the um, <laughs> the Shazam live action show. Live action Shazam! I knew you were going to say that. Or um, I'm or, like or, Stephen is going to ask for more. Of, well, uh, uh, mentor. <laughs> let's creepy old guy and teenager driving across the country in a right. Winnebago. It would be creepier if Billy Batson was a little. What was that? You broke up, so we lost your joke. It would be even creepier if Billy Batson was still 11. Oh, yeah, there you go. Um, or what was it? The Mighty Isis? Was that Filmation? Oh, she was so good. Or Secrets of Isis, I guess. Oh, dear, Lair to Mighty. But then you also have to remember Filmation had such great things as, uh, what was it, the New Gilligan Island Adventures or whatever it was, where they were like <laughs> rocketed into space? Gilligan's Planet. Yeah, Gilligan's Planet. <laughs> Once again, where they hired back <laughs> the actual cast to voice the characters. I loved Gilligan's 
I remember but, watching that occasionally. Back in the day, kids, um, Stephen and I would have to, you'd, you'd get up you on Saturday a, morning because yeah. that's where the cartoons were. Well, you know, the first hour of cartoons on Saturday morning was the Indian hit show. Right. Which is a good show. Yeah. I love the music. It goes, yeah, it a, yeah, yeah. but then the cartoons would come on. The new adventures of Gilligan was surreal. Yes, it quite was. Frankly. It was particularly surreal. And then in the second season, they went into outer space, which, mm-hmm. quite frankly, is the most brilliant thing ever. You can tell me all you want that I'm being ironic and silly. Gilligan's Island in space, my friend, that that is something you have to sit down and just wrap your brain around it. and Maybe have a nice sandwich because, yeah. my God, how perfect is that? And then also don't forget beyond uh, Star Trek, the animated series, uh, Filmation was also responsible for Bill Cosby and the Cosby Kids. Oh, can I change my answer? You can. Oh, definitely, definitely a close, a close second for me is Shira. I would, I would love to see an updated Shira. Oh, that would be really good. good. Now, my sister really loves Shira. I I mean, I don't. I I remember watching Shira and thinking, like, as a as a kid, and thinking this is a little better than He Man. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because He Man came first, and they got some chance to. I mean, they really didn't change the formula much, but no. I thought the bat, like the the enemies, had a little bit more thought behind them. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like He Man, it was literally just a hodgepodge of monster parts attached to people. Yes, yeah. like I thought, Shira but, was a little bit more under control. They also had that extended bit where they were doing a different Archie series every year, and I clearly remember watching Archie cartoons when I was a kid. And one Archie cartoon yeah, terrified that. me when I was a little kid because they had these little safety tips. Because it was at a point where in the 1970s you had to start throwing in some education. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And one of them was Archie explaining how once you've washed your hands, you should always dry them and never touch a light switch when you or your hands are wet. <laughs> well, you know, and back then, like, to be honest, back in years. the 60s and 70s, electrical yeah. outlets and even wall sockets were uh, a little yeah. sketchy. But I was terrified. I mean, they, they used to make paint out of lead. Touching the light socket and dying. Yeah, yeah. Because my hands were being electrocuted were turned into a ten thousand volt ghost. Which I granted, that's a Hanna Barbera thing. Oh no, that's ten thousand foot same. ghost. Filmation also had not the original Ghostbusters, which they did have that, but they also they, had the Ghostbusters. They had the, the first original Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters because their Ghostbusters came first. Yes, Larry Storch, Forrest yes. Tucker. <laughs> and uh, a six foot tall gorilla with a beanie yes. going out yes. and hunting ghosts. And then and then they had that they made a cartoon version of it, which actually is called the original Ghostbusters. Because not to be not to be confused with the real Ghostbusters right, exactly. the guys from the movie. There are a bunch of lawsuits. I, I, I don't involved whenever they made that Ghostbusters movie. Filmation stepped forward and was like, uh-uh, we got the oh, Ghostbusters. Oh, no, and Dan Aykroyd was like, screw you. I'm a blues brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, when they did the cartoon, I believe they did the cartoon specifically as a middle finger to the cartoon. Filmation was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is our turf. Saturday morning? No. Yeah. It's like the sharks and the jets. Filmation and Dan Aykroyd fighting out on the streets. Yep. Of Columbia the Pictures did pay Filmation for a license to use the name. There you go. But that was pretty. That was a pretty crazy show. Yeah. That was that one was oh and you know what else I loved, loved 
they did an updated version of Shazam where Shazam, I don't know if he was a teacher or like what, but they did Hero High. And Hero High was these teenagers who were going to grow up to be superheroes. And basically what what I think had happened was, this is the same guys who were doing the Archie show. I, I think they were going to do Pure Heart the Powerful and then they couldn't. So they came up with these characters, Captain California, who had a flying surfboard, and his girlfriend, Glorious Gal, who was basically a blonde Wonder Woman, or the producers in Hollywood, and all of these characters, they were learning to be superheroes, but they had a villain, and the villain's name was Rex Ruthless. Ah. And I loved Rex Ruthless because even at 10 years old, I knew that there were multiple levels of pun in that name. And it was something where I was like, yes, you are wonderful. I hang out with you now. Rex Ruthless is a great name for a villain. Yeah, it is. Oh, hell yeah. Rex Ruthless was awesome. And his his sidekick, Dirty Trixie. (laughs) Yeah. What was was that uh, Hero High School movie? That was Oh, Sky High. High. Okay, I was like, you said Hero High. I was like, man. Kind of the same thing. Yeah, it was. This is an earlier iteration of it. This was before PS238. This was before Zoom's Academy. This was before Young X-Men. This was young heroes learning to be heroes. And this, I don't know if it's the earliest appearance of that particular little uh, trope, but it's the earliest one that I remember. And I'm, you know, 257 years old. You can actually get Hero High, the complete series, 26 episodes (gasps) on DVD right now. Through our Amazon link over at Majorspoilers.com. Cost you cost you eleven dollars and fifty cents, I think. Yeah. So does it say whether it has live action segments? Because I'm seeing some random live action stuff. There were some. They had a live action band of kids and the, the Hero High kids would play music and then Shazam would show up. Yeah, yeah. But we talk about, you know, representation. And I've said in the past that I don't know whether my love of Bouncing Boy comes from the fact that he was a fat kid. In, in popular media, I can tell you that I was very happy. Hero High had a character called Weatherman. Yeah. And guy. Weatherman was a chunky kid in an orange and red costume. And Weatherman had these awesome powers. But people were like, dude, you can't be awesome. You are the fat kid. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, you know what? You're manipulating me and yet I'm buying it. Well, and I kind of liked that. I felt also, like I'm seeing... I'm seeing a black girl in it. Which yes, is that nice. was Misty Magic. Yeah. Misty had great, awesome powers. Uh, they didn't always work right, but Misty had great, awesome powers. Led to um, many, then, many a oh, sad trombone. And, and, and also uh, the actor that would eventually get mutated and play Bebop in the, uh, <laughs> in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Good times. So, um, body type, you mentioned there, uh, Matthew. I did. So this past week or last week and a half, uh, Gal Gadot was named. I think that's how you yeah, pronounce her name. Gal Gadot. I don't know how you pronounce her. She's Israeli. I, I'm almost um, sure it's Gadot. I'm probably sure it is too. We've been uh, waiting for her for a long time. She has been cast as Wonder Woman. And instantly everyone's like, boo. I don't think <laughs> I heard one person say yay in this entire thing. The people that have been like, we want to see Wonder Woman in a movie are still like, we want to see Wonder Woman in a movie. And then the people are like, we want to see Wonder Woman are like, she's too skinny to be Wonder Woman. And I just, I don't think anybody can be satisfied 
What's what's the deal with this Wonder Woman casting, and why has it got so many people up in arms over body issues and the fact that Wonder Woman's not in her own movie or any of this stuff? Go. Well, I can tell you part of it, um, and this is this is coming from a place of real personal experience. Um, I every morning on my Twitter feed I post pictures that I really really enjoy. And as I go through and I look at pictures of this actress from different angles at different times in her life, oh, different you know time you're right. periods, she looks yeah. skinny. Yeah, sometimes yeah. she looks too skinny. Sometimes she looks heavier. Sometimes she looks really curvy. Sometimes she doesn't. All of the pictures of Yaz Pistachio that I have seen are her on red carpets in skinny dresses. Well, she's a supermodel, so. Yeah, and there's one where she's in a dress, and she's clearly in a dress that cannot allow for a supportive undergarment in the right. upper region of the body. Right, right. You know, and that supportive undergarment, I think, is part of people's complaint. People are like, she needs to bulk up. Well, she certainly can. She can go and she can be in a gym. She can go through the training. But so much of this complaint seems to be rotating around. She doesn't have large enough breasts to be the Wonder Woman that people want to see. Which that's frustrating to me. And, you know, there are people who are flat out saying that, but it feels like there's a little bit of that. She's not feminine enough for the people who want to see a really curvy Wonder Woman. She's not bulky and muscular enough for people who want to see a bodybuilding China Wonder Woman. Right. She's she's an actress who was probably chosen because, yeah, she kind of fit the role, but also because she can act. She's giving whatever Zack Snyder wants to see. And we don't see that in any of these, you know, quick shots of her on a red carpet somewhere. Have you guys watched uh, Fast and Furious 5 and 6? Because she's in both of those films. Yeah, I've seen them. Um, and is she, she gets, a good she actress? Gets, or? She gets very little screen time. She gets oh, okay. very little screen time. So it's it's very, it's difficult to tell. Like, I never, while I was watching that, I never thought, hmm, this person isn't doing that good of a job, but then consider the people she was surrounded by. Yeah. And it's like, now, isn't, uh, it's, it's hard for like, if she was being subtle, she would disappear against like Vin Diesel, the rock and Ludacris being in the same scene. Right. But isn't the other girl in fast and the furious too, because I am, I don't even know who she is. I don't know if she can act. I, I've never really particularly heard of her except in this context. But people keep saying you should have cast Gina Carano. Um, I think she was she was up I, for the part. That was one of the people, one of the three that they said. Well, wasn't she in Fast and the Furious as well? Um, I don't maybe. Know. I, I don't. I don't remember. I know. I know. I think I know who you're talking about. Oh no, yeah. I'm thinking of Jordana Brewster. Yes, Jordana Brewster is is cute, but people keep saying, "Oh, Gina Carano," and and oh, again, I guess, yeah, Gina Carano wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It's that okay. expectation as as a a reader, as a watcher, we put a lot into these tiny press releases, these announcements. We put a lot into them, and we assume a lot of things. And I'm as guilty as anybody. I you guys know, I said. I don't think they can build a, a coherent Marvel movie universe and make Avengers work. Right. And they did it. And they did it really well playing against type. Now, I am what you call a, a tenured nerd. I, I work in a comic shop and at a comic website. I've been reading comics for 35 years. When people say to me, what do you think about X? I think sometimes they want to hear, 
you know, does this nerd who's been a nerd for years agree with me? And is, is he going to be quote unquote, right? When people say Gina Carano would be good in the role. I can see I her agree. in the part, but I don't know if she she's the best actress. She was a gladiator. She yeah, was yeah. crush. I loved crush, but here's the thing. If you have a particular role that you want somebody to deliver as a director, as a writer, whatever you're looking at, you go in expecting something. And we don't know what Zack Snyder is expecting of the role. So all we see is a picture of this woman, you know, in, in the blue dress specifically, looking really skinny, mm -hmm. you know, looking very wafy and very traditionally thin. You know, the way that actresses seem to have to be these days to where I don't even, you know, I'm not saying that there's anything to put on the actresses. I feel like it's something where the industry is telling them you have to yeah, be but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not but, sure because you look at, um, what's her name from the Hunger Games? Catnip um, Evergreen? Jennifer Gardner? Yeah, yeah. She's Jennifer not, Hudson. She's not no. wayfish then. Jennifer something. It's Jennifer Lawrence. Zach would have told us. He's at home yelling. But here's the thing about even Jennifer Lawrence. People said. Somebody said this week that she looks. Group, yeah, that she's look, she looks. She fat. looks fat. She looked fat. And I'm like. I don't get it. I do. And here here is here's where it's coming from. We all have our biases. We all have our expectations. And when you say Wonder Woman, I think of. John Burns Wonder Woman from the 93, 94, 95 revamp. Sure. Because I love the way John Byrne made her both feminine and muscular. Some people, when you say Wonder Woman, they're imagining Linda Carter. Some people are imagining, you know, the, the wayfish figure. And if you go back to what H.G. Peter did in 1941, you look at those pictures. Wonder Woman is a slender, feminine, small girl with kind of a big butt. Yeah. She, I mean, granted, it's 1941, and you're you're drawing on 1941 comic stuff, but people have an expectation in their head, and whether you're thinking of, you know, a, a Wonder Woman as drawn by George Perez or a Wonder Woman drawn by Nicola Scott, you have Wonder Woman in your head, and then they show you this picture of Yaz Pistachio, and I honestly, I I keep forgetting her name and wanting to, but you you take that picture and you as the one person here have to try and justify how that works as comic fans there are what the top selling comic does seventy thousand hundred thousand hundred thousand okay. so there's a hundred well so uh, here, here's the thing us. when you look when you look at when you look at the uh, top 300 or the top 500 whatever they're listing mm -hmm. uh batman is the benchmark so batman sells roughly a hundred thousand and then you can adjust from there up and down all right so you figure there are a hundred thousand of quote unquote us fans, guys who go and read the comics. And there are probably, what, 100 million people who went to see the Avengers yep. movie. And those 100 million people, that's, that's what the Avengers are. They are just as valid as Avengers as the comic book Avengers that we, quote unquote, we, I'm using the regal we use. So if, if you, know, you go into it as a fan of comics, expecting to be disenfranchised and marginalized, expecting for people to disrespect you and whatever you whatever you want to look at it could be one of those cases where people are perceiving a hollywood notion of something from comics that isn't to them right right you know the the big money people are coming in and 
for from a perspective right now, it looks like they're ruining the thing that you love. I don't even blame people for being mad. I just I'm bothered by less by the people who are angry. Because you can be angry that she doesn't look like a Brian Bolland Wonder Woman. You can be angry that she doesn't look like a Gene Colan Wonder Woman. You have every right. It's the people who are needlessly cynical and they're like, well, this movie's gonna suck anyway. They've got Ben Affleck as Batman. This movie's gonna suck. <laughs> you, you know, what do we know about this film? We know that it's going to be a sequel to a movie that made a lot of money. Yeah. That got a lot of people talking, a lot of people arguing. It has some casting choices that people hate. Yeah. That's what we know about this movie. So, Rodrigo, then what is the, I mean, I'm going to present a, an, an issue here in a moment, but um, people have been saying, we want Wonder Woman. We want to see Wonder Woman on the big screen. And they get Wonder Woman on the big screen, and they're not satisfied. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, I think uh, lots of different reasons. Um, I think there's plenty of people who are satisfied with these news. They're just not speaking out, for example. Um, I think that uh, there's lots of reasons why you there's there's a thousand reasons why someone would be dissatisfied with a casting choice. Uh, this casting choice in particular um, comes with a huge amount of baggage. Right. So they've been saying they're like, how come Wonder Woman's not getting a movie? Then they're the, the studios answer something usually terrible because <laughs> yeah, Wonder um, Woman is a when complicated comes, character. Yes, when it comes to DC. Like DC Comics always says the wrong thing. Yes. And apparently that's infectious. So when Warner Brothers say, handles a DC property, they also say the wrong thing. Um, here's, here's, the, here's a real interesting thing. People are like, oh, well, you know, female characters don't do well. They don't sell well. They don't bring people to the box office. So Wonder Woman really probably wouldn't be a character that would do well for us. But if you look at the last two weeks in the box office, what have been the top two movies? The Hunger Games about... Uh, Katniss doing mm -hmm. her thing and Frozen, which has two strong female leads in it. Right. Yeah. And you can't tell me that you can't market and sell and make money off of a female driven movie. But they see those as flukes. And to well, I can understand. Degree. I can understand the, the uh, Hunger Games the first time people mm -hmm. saying, oh, well, that's a fluke. But now when right. you get uh, Catching Fire and it's burning up the charts. Right. Then you got to say, it's, well, you know, lightning strikes twice. There may be something to this. And then you look at Frozen and eh, there may be something to all this stuff. I agree. But when it comes to people in Hollywood, if you're going to give a Zack Snyder, a filthy hippie, $650 million of your money, what? you want to guarantee as much payback as you can. And I think that that group think that mentality of, how does it play with our focus groups? What are they going to say? All of the, the, you know, the predictions that people make based on these things can be and have been wrong. But they look at this as we have historically seen movies with female leads that are bad. So a movie with a female lead will probably continue to be bad until there are enough examples to where we have a new rule of thumb or a new, you know, guideline to go by. So I, I <clears throat> I've had this, you know, the same argument and you and I have been on opposite sides of this argument a time mm -hmm. or two sure. in that people in Hollywood know what they know how to sell. Sure. Just like DC knows that they know how to sell Superman and Batman. 
And so they know that they know how to sell a movie with Batman in it because every superhero movie over the past 15 years has in one way or another kind of been a Batman movie. And I'm, I'm really fine with that because it gets these characters out and, you know, people make the movies and the kids are wearing the, the underoos and whatever you want to do. My kid actually knows who Thor is. That's awesome. But it also has a homogenizing effect. And I think that people's real problem here is when you look at Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman is the female superhero in many people's minds. She's the only one that matters in many people's minds. So if you have a character, you know, it's that that story of the stereotypical character or the character who is standing for everyone, that Kevin Keller character who is representing everyone because he's the only gay lead for the book. You're Power Man in 1973, the only African-American with a book you have that point where that character kind of has to not be a character so much as he has to be uh, an icon. That character has to be a representative, a role model, whatever it is. For a lot of these people, Wonder Woman is that. Wonder Woman is a representation of not just a, a cool superhero with powers who can kick your butt, but she has to be the woman superhero. And so well, there's and going to there's going to be more emotional content. There's going to be more problem with that. Well, and that that actually works both ways. It's mm -hmm. not just that there's all this pressure on Wonder Woman to represent uh, half of the world's population in superhero comics. I'm sorry, more slightly ab slightly above half of the world. Fifty three percent. Right. Um, there's it's not just that. It's also that the industry. All, all industries that Wonder Woman has appeared in uh, are run by men. And a lot of the time, especially in comics, largely consumed by men. So it's not just that there's this pressure on the character to be done right so that the only woman superhero is a good superhero. She's also this path of least resistance for any negative feelings towards women. True. So whereas, say... People might have said, like, oh, that Cavill guy is not beefy enough or got this or that or the other thing going on. Like, people are picking apart Gal Gadot right. down to her molecules, basically. Mm -hmm, right. um, you know, examining her uh, body type, hair, eye color, everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't remember ever hearing anybody confirm or deny or affirm or say anything about whether... Robert Downey Jr. has the same color eyes as Tony Stark in the comics. But some people are getting hung up on the fact that this chick doesn't have blue eyes. They're like, oh, well, as long as she has blue contacts. And it's like, Wonder Woman can just have brown eyes. It's okay yeah, for yeah. her to have brown eyes. I don't eyes. have a problem it's, with that. I really don't have a problem with any of it. I guess, you know, going back to the comment that you made earlier, Matthew, about um, um, Hollywood and they know certain ways. If you've been watching mm -hmm. the trades over the last, I want to say maybe month, two months, People have been getting canned left and right at a lot of studios, or maybe they're leaving on their own accord and moving somewhere else. Yeah. So maybe with an infusion of new blood, I know we saw, and some people will say for better or for worse, when Diane Nelson came on board over at DC Entertainment, she made some changes that I think have gone in some positive directions. Maybe, again, depending on which side of the fence you sit on. So maybe we will, Rodrigo, get some new people in at these studios that are going to say, hey, we need to give Wonder Woman a chance and we need to move this forward quickly. Right. And I think you were, you're right, Stephen. I think that uh, stuff like uh, The Hunger Games, stuff like uh, Legend of Korra, 
Oh um, man. Stuff like um this uh, potentially this uh Wonder Woman thing. And and but you know, it's, it's like Angelina Jolie automatically sells movies. Yeah. But but somehow that's not a trend. You know, it's like you can have every Tomb Raider movie make a bajillion dollars, but somehow women can't sell movies, right? right? It's not just that um it's not that these are actual trends is that p- people pick and choose the trends that they want. Right. So maybe you're right. If we're getting new blood and they're just seeing this with fresh eyes and saying like, Oh yeah, uh, as long as it's an action movie, people will come see it as long as the budget is high enough. Yeah. Um, regardless of who's on it, which allows, which then frees us up to sell it to women, sell it to men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's bound to be a sector of the population that specifically wants to see an action film helm or wh- where the main character is female. If for yeah. no other reason, then they probably would rather see a pretty girl rather than Bruce Willis. Um, you know, I don't know. I'd rather shoot, see anybody than Bruce shoot, Willis. Shoot a thousand bullets <laughs> down an elevator shaft yeah. uh, without having to reload their gun. So I, I, you know, I don't know if I go to maybe I do to an extent. Go to see a movie because of the star power. I'm not sure, you know, when they talk about, oh, Gravity's another mo- movie that's uh, busting up the box office that's got the, the female lead in it. But yep. I don't know if I would go see a movie like Gravity based on it's got Sandra Bullock in it. Because I don't really care for the actors or actresses because if I go in saying, ah, well, everybody knows that uh, Joe Smithy is just a big douchebag. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go see his movie or not see his movie based on my personal beliefs of him. What I go into a movie wanting to see is an awesome story. And, you know, I've said it before, when Frozen's uh, trailers first came out, I was like, this movie looks like a turd. And then everyone's like, it's a fantastic story. And then I was like, oh, well, I better go see this movie then. And if you create a Wonder Woman movie, Tomb Raider movie, uh, Lark, you know, uh, um, what's the uh, Resident Evil movie, whatever it may be, with with a strong female lead, but it's a good story... I don't think it matters who you cast in the part. But you, uh, this is something again, and this is going back again to an argument that we've run into. There are people out there who say that a Justice League movie, two down the line, is going to fail because they didn't build it the way Marvel <laughs> yeah. built to the Avengers movie. Yeah. That may be what this is. This may be more of that Hollywood thinking of, okay, well, at the end of that one movie, the Iron Man movie, tripped us off to Captain America. Mm-hmm. And then Captain America tripped us off to Thor. The movies crossed over and tied together. This may be DC following the leader again and saying, well, we want a Wonder Woman movie. Let's throw her in this Batman movie that we know is going to yeah. do bonker, bonker, yeah. bazonga, money. And then we can, you know, dig her out of that. And if people love it, then all of a sudden, hey, she's got her own movie in 2017. You know, I can understand everybody wanting their representation up on screen as a standalone, Mm -hmm. but I think if you can utilize, manipulate, backdoor it, whatever you want to call it, um, Mm -hmm. a way to test out these characters in a bigger movie, I think that's fine. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I I mean, I know, I mean, going back to Rodrigo. Let's put it in terms of you. I'm sure you would love to see more uh, Hispanic, more Mexican, uh, more um, movies and TV shows featuring um, people from your your culture, right? Yes, I would. But 
would it be okay then if we had, I'm going to use this because it's not because it's a terrible character, but Vibe. Would you be okay if Vibe appeared in this movie if it meant that Vibe was going to get his own movie later on? Vibe is Vibe is Puerto, Puerto Rican. Rican. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, because you know who else is a terrible character? Thor. Thor is actually a terrible character. <laughs> I have read Thor comics that are terrible, that are the most terrible comics. But you can write Thor well, and you can give him his own movie. So yeah, I think if Vibe was in it, and A, it was played well and not as a terrible stereotype, right. um, and B, um, had something worthwhile to bring to the movie, then yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, I think that... Uh, one of the things that I'm excited about, uh, the Winter Soldier, is that the Falcon's in it. Right. Yeah. And he's not so, even been played up yet, which no, is he interesting. And, and, and honestly, he probably has not been played up on purpose because of their, yeah. like, there's a, there's a black dude in this movie with a significant part. We might lose the racist assholes yeah. that, that we want to go see this movie. That, they didn't that lose is that a in thing, Iron though. Man, though, is it? Did they? Well, With Iron Rhodey? Man, you had you had kind of a a side. Rhodey was really never a major player. Rhodey was a minor player in one movie, and then he basically was a turncoat working against Tony for all intents and purposes in another. So, mm-hmm. when you break it down, Rhodey's role is relatively minor. But yeah, there are people who don't want to see a Wonder Woman movie because they don't want to see a movie about quote unquote some chick. Or if they want to see if they want to see a movie with a female superhero, that she needs to have big gobangaloos. And you know honestly, shame you know, on that. Well, yes. that is ridiculous. That is a ridiculous sort of thing. You can say to me all you want, she doesn't fit the role the way I see it. And that is fine. That's legit. But when you start trying to, you know, tear her apart because she's too skinny or she's too fat or she doesn't have, you know, big enough breasts. You get to a point where you're being, first of all, really obnoxious, and second of all, ridiculous, because the movie is not going to win or lose or, or fail at the box office because of the casting of Wonder Woman. Even a Wonder Woman movie. No, people, isn't are betting it's gonna, people are betting it's gonna people are betting it's gonna fail because of the casting of Batman. Well, that's the thing. And you know, again, if you have a reason to be upset, you have a reason to be upset. But you can't take it out on Ben Affleck. You can't say that this movie is terrible because of Ben Affleck or because of Gal Gadot or because of, you know, even the, what was it, the TV Wonder Woman, Adrian Pilecki. Pilecki. Yeah. Yeah. She was a blonde woman from an Ohio playing Wonder Woman. And you know, she was not, no, listen, she was not um, large breasted either. She was not. But you know what she did have? She had a Wonder Woman costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a script. And and you and, know uh, what's her name? The adult uh, actress Kane that played yeah, Wonder Woman. Kane or whatever her name. She's was. she's not. Uh, I don't think she's as endowed either. Especially by adult movie standards. Right, right, right. But what it, what it really comes down to is, yes, I understand frustration about a character being something that you don't expect. But when it comes to the point that we are attacking a real woman based on not looking like a comic book character. When they cast um, Jessica Alba as the Invisible Woman, did anybody? And I don't honestly don't remember. I'm actually asking. Did anybody talk about how inappropriate she was for the role? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. See, and that's something else. Where? Yeah, but I what mean, that's about a, that's a great example of 
them being like, who's who's hot right now? Jessica Alba. But yeah, she's she has not to blonde. Play, she has to play a woman named Sue Storm. We're going to bleach her hair and give her blue contacts. Yep. yep. It's like, if they had just let her have her ner- normal hair color, if if the Storms were just Hispanic, they would have been okay. Yep. But then it wouldn't have been true to the source material. You know, it, it's it's a hard line. It's a hard road to hoe because I get mad when comics seem to be, or when movies rather, seem to be ashamed of their comic roots. They try to take out all of the color and all of the joy and all of the things that might be considered comic booky or silly or childish. And part of, to me, the foundation of superheroing is comic booky and four color and childish. And I'm, you know, I'm feeling like that's something that people are ashamed of. But if you have a character show up and say you have Jessica Alba as Wonder Woman, you have this casting that may or may not be related to the character. Hmm, yeah. If let's say, let's say well, remember, three years from now. Well, remember at one time, Megan Fox was rumored to be playing Wonder Woman. Oh God, help us all. But let's say two what? years from now, they've made a movie with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. And it's the most popular DC movie of all time. Five years down the line, when they have to recast, and it's not Gal Gadot, people are going to say the same thing. She's not real Wonder Woman. She doesn't look like Gal Gadot. She well, looks I mean, like something else entirely. That's a that's a great that's a great point to a certain degree because um, the reason why they cast Brandon Routh, I think, is because he looks so much like Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Um. Sorry, Reeves. Reeve. And uh, George Reeves, George Reeves, Reeve. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Plural comes first, right? Um, but if you look at the last, oh, I don't know, thousand years of Superman comics, he usually doesn't look like any of those guys. Nope. You know, he actually, I would say, looks a lot more like Dean Cain. If you're gonna, if you're gonna put it to anybody who looks like Superman, in that he's built like a rectangle. Yep. An inverted pyramid with legs. Yep. And when we look at, you know, people have very strong opinions. One of the big complaints about Green Lantern before it came out and we saw that it was pretty (laughs) awful was Ryan Reynolds is not appropriate for Hal Jordan. Ryan Reynolds should play Barry Allen. Yeah, I could have seen that. Yeah, but people have, I mean, they have expectations in their head. And it's hard to get past those until you see the actual product on the screen right and you know what the minute he appeared at the san diego comic-con and that kid asked him to recite the green lantern oath people were like oh my god he is green lantern and they totally changed their mind you know he I, knows the oath he knows the oath i think you know bottom line on all this if people want to hate the casting of gal gadot that's fine if people want to love the casting of um, Ben Affleck as Batman, that's fine too. And I think that we overall can have a very civil discourse online about this. But what yeah. we need to move away from is, oh, well, Matthew, you think this is good. Well, that just proves that you're a, an effing idiot. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I don't think we need in uh, in a discussion. Even earlier tonight when we were joking around saying who would play the best uh, booster gold, and I said, no, you're both wrong. That's just me having fun. That's not me going... Oh, I think you two are now the lowest form of life on earth because you did not pick what I would pick. And I think that's, I don't know, it, it, 
I love the fact that everybody who comes over to major spoilers most of the time is very civil in their in their discussions and answers. And if they do disagree, they back it up with their facts and their belief systems, which is totally fine. And I wish that we could just get to this point where <laughs> God bless Gail Simone, this internet trolling can be something <laughs> that is something we can poke fun at instead of just sitting there and going, Oh good Lord. Why? I love her. Trolling. But here's another thing. I frankly, if I come out and say something on the major spoilers podcast in a public forum, if I say it on Twitter, you can come to me and you can say, why do you think that? And I don't care if you say you're stupid, but here's, here's a, a corollary is while you don't want to attack the people in the, in the conversation. Also, let's lay off of Gal Gadot. I mean, all this woman did was agree to take a job as an actress and people yeah. are, people are calling her names. People are calling her ethnicity. I mean, there are personal attacks on this woman and all she did was accept what could be a really awesome role. Yeah. I just, Matthew heard me last week. I probably ranted for about a half hour on this topic last week. I was yeah. so mad at people just, just, you know, just being mean. Mm -hmm. So for I don't no know. I think, I think it is the, it is the season to embrace our brothers and sisters around the world and uh, just get along. Right. Can't we all just it's get along? Actually, the season is just over. So <laughs> now we can be douchebags. <laughs> All right. You can find Matthew at Mighty King Cobra. You can find Rodrigo at Fearsome Critter. And of course, you can find me at Major Spoilers. And that wraps it up for this installment of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you, Matthew, for being on the show. Thank you, Rodrigo, for being on the show. And thank you, listeners, for downloading and most importantly, sharing the Major Spoilers podcast with someone else. We'll be back soon with more trade stories to review, including our annual look at Starman. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. Oh, wait, think about a better way, if I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Shot up in a fine be in the middle east with a king santo and soldier what a major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 what a major spoiler whoa 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 what a 
Rogers Boiler. Major Spoilers is copyright 2013.